Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the World Shapers, conversations with authors about their latest books. I'm your host, Edward Willett, and this episode's guest, David Nabhan talking about his latest book, Thin Walker. Welcome to another episode of The World Shapers, the podcast where I talk to authors about their latest books. My name is Edward Willett. I am also an author. My latest novel is The Tangled Stars from Daw Books. Uh, that's came out a little over a year ago now, uh, which you can find in both ebook and audiobook. And uh, I'm uh, also a publisher. Uh, Shadowpaw Press is my publishing company. And the latest thing from Shadowpaw Press, well, there's three actually. Um, there is The Good Soldier, a rollicking uh, military science fiction satire by Nir Yaniv. There is Shapers of Worlds, Volume 4, which is the fourth anthology I've kickstarted featuring authors who were guests on this podcast in its fourth year. And there is uh, The Headmasters by Mark Morton, uh, which is a young adult dystopian science fiction novel that technically comes out tomorrow as I'm recording this. Uh, but um, it'll be out uh, uh, this week. And uh, those are all available everywhere that you'd like to buy books. I did, of course, talk to Nir Yaniv uh, two episodes ago, and I talked to Mark Morton uh, last week. So uh, if you'd like to know more about those books, you can check out uh, those interviews. Uh, Shadowpaw Press uh, has a very active year coming up. One of our uh, our, it's me and the cat. <laughs> One of our uh, big uh, releases will be um, the downloaded which is the latest novel by Robert J. Sawyer, Canada's best-known science fiction writer. And concurrently with that, there'll be two, uh, the last two books from the late, great Canadian uh, science fiction and fantasy writer Dave Duncan, uh, The Traitor's Son and Corridor to Nightmare. They'll all come out in May. And then I have, a oh, all sorts of other books already planned for the rest of the year. So uh, if you're interested, please check out Shadowpaw Press at shadowpawpress.com. And uh, you can check me out, if you'd like, at uh, edwardwillett.com. All right, so let's get on to this episode's guest. Uh, I'll be talking to David Nabhan. Now, David is a science and science fiction writer who's been featured on the air or in print in a remarkable number of uh, news outlets in the U.S. and elsewhere, television, radio, newspapers. The uh, airtime and or column space has garnered uh, some of the most uh, recognized media venues in existence uh, many, many hundreds of times. CBS News, Popular Science, Inside Edition, RT Television, London Daily Mail, Tom Hartman Show, UK's Naked Scientists, uh, Howard Stern Show, it goes on and on. He's the author of four books uh, concerning earthquakes, peer-reviewed papers on the subject, and many, many scores of newspaper and magazine op-eds regarding earthquakes, hydraulic fracking, dams and mining, climate issues, and other important topics, published on three continents and in two languages. Uh, we'll be talking about his novel Thin Walker, which is his second. His first, The Pilots of Borealis, came out from Skyhorse Publishing Talos Press uh, back in 2015. So let's get on to our chat this time around with David Nabhan. 
So, David, welcome to the World Shapers. Oh, I should take off my glasses so my eyes aren't all glittery. So, <laughs> how are you? Well, it's my pleasure to have a word with your audience. Thank you for having me. Um, now, we have not met. Um, so, this is, I always look for connections. Uh, we've, we've both done some science writing, but I think that's the only connection I could find. And you're in Pittsburgh, you said. Right. I'm, well, I'm from Los Angeles, but re recently trans uh, a, tr a transfer to uh, Pittsburgh. Beautiful city. Great people. Terrible and, weather. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm in Saskatchewan, so we won't talk about the weather. Although, actually, it's we're having uh, record warmth this week, a big January thaw, which is kind of nice. But Well, maybe record warmth. It's up there anyway. Uh, no, here too. After being uh, minus 36 a couple of weeks ago, it's <laughs> we can take it. So. So uh, let's talk about, uh, we're going to be talking specifically about your new book, Thin Walker, uh, but let's back up a little bit and uh, tell me about yourself and your writing journey and how you came to the point where you are you are writing novels. Well, over the last quarter century, I've uh, written three, six books, three in science, three uh, science fiction, and uh, maybe Three or four hundred op-eds, articles. In uh, I'm a I'm a columnist for Newsmax and the Times of Israel and the California Business Journal. Anything, any topics that, that's controversial, where religion, science, and uh, politics and culture meet. All those things you're not I, supposed I, to talk I, about. <laughs> those are, I, I've said something about it. I've been been been, been pleased to be. A, graciously uh, welcomed by the media to, to, to have my say on things. So I've been very fortunate. Well, where, where were you born and grew up and how did you get started writing to begin with? I'm a Texan, fourth generation, moved to Los Angeles and became a teacher, taught in South Central Los Angeles for 20 years, was the earthquake preparedness coordinator for the Los Angeles Unified School District for uh, 15 of those years and got interested in the topic of seismic forecasting. My claim to fame, people probably, I'm no great science fiction writer, but in the world of uh, seismic forecasting, I'm, there's few of us and I, I'm probably up there. Well, and your website is actually earthquakepredictions.com. So. Earthquakepredictions.com, yes. That's, that's very cool. Um, so let's, uh, when when did you start writing fiction? What what I mean, obviously you primarily a nonfiction writer, but what drew you into the world of fiction writing? Were you a big reader? You know, I'm I'm not a big fiction reader. I read mathematics, science, history, biographies, but sci-fi is uh, it, it, that's that, that's one of the uh, genres where I've made an exception. It, it's because I'm so interested in science, and I'm curious how the world is going to progress in the next century, in the next millennia. And as a, as a, like with the earthquake prediction, for example, that was impossible since uh, forever. And uh, over the last few years now, that's, that's, that mantra has changed. Uh, and science fiction historically has led the, well, not led the way, but, but more or less uh, hand in hand with with uh, with science. There's, if you look back at all the great uh, inventions that we enjoy right now in the modern world, almost all of them are written in science fiction. Going back to 
the first century, Lupin is uh, the Roman writer who, who penned a, a, a fantastical voyage to the, to the moon back in, you know, around Augustus's day. So uh, science fiction has gotten my attention because I'm so interested in science and math and history. What was your first uh, foray into the fiction world? What was your first book? Pilots of Borealis by Skyhorse Publishing in New York, uh, a, a story about a, a, a city on the moon in the 25th century. Thin Walker, though, takes it a bit further. That's, that's eight or 900 years into the future, 100 light years from Earth. So that was very difficult to try to imagine. Uh, well, you could, you could uh, anybody could imagine how difficult that would be to put together a civilization that, that will be a millennia hence from now. So that was, uh, that was quite, a, quite a task. It, it, it took me some while to get Thin Walker done. Well, let's talk about that. And I guess the first place to start is with a bit more of a synopsis about the book uh, without giving away anything you don't want to give away. What is, what is the, uh, the story of Thin Walker? Well, I hadn't uh, planned this with the, the, the great uh, pandemic catastrophe that uh, we've all been going through over these last few years. But this actually turns out to be uh, the granddaddy of all far future vaccination tales it's uh it's a uh, it's it's how it's something it's so difficult to imagine how we wish to call back from the scientific nanotechnology vaccination uh inoculations and, and all the biomechanical things that are certainly in our future uh, how they may impinge on the human on the human spirit is is the the downside, uh, and that's what the book tries to 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 delve into. What will happen in the in the far future when biomechanism uh, becomes very much a part of uh, the human condition, and and how it will affect uh, philosophy, politics, and uh, and and our, our our history in the far. So what is the story itself? I mean, there, there must be characters and a, and a setting and a plot. What's, uh, what's an open well, for about? Canadian, for Canadians, the, uh, the protagonist, uh, they're, they're going to eat him up like uh, Poutine. It's, he's a Quebecois. He's a 25-year-old uh, diehard Quebecois who uh, simply will not give up the, the, the dream of Canada and the dream of his, his ancient ancestry, even though he's never been to Earth. Uh, and Canada in the far future, unfortunately, doesn't even exist, the, the nation, nor the USA. Uh, he lives, uh, like I said, 100 light years from Earth, and he's part of a, a fringe group that is hanging on to their, to their culture and to hanging on to the old ways. You might uh, consider him a Luddite of some a sort, but uh, he, uh, Canadians, will, Canadians that... will eat him up. That far in the future, it's almost like uh, Society for Creative Anachronism today and looking back at, uh, at past culture and trying to recreate it. Well, he's a complicated guy. He's, and, you know, there's, there's no heroes, there's no good guys, and there's no bad guys. I tried to write this in, in the way that uh, classic adult science fiction has always been written. Uh, nuanced, uh, 
uh, he, he's 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 a, a, a great guy, but he's a murderer too. He's uh, he's he's got a great faith, but then he loses it often. Uh, it, it's uh, I, I left a lot for the imagination to the reader. There's religious tenets in it, but it's it, it's not particularly pro-Christian. Hindus and pagans and pantheists will see their their side of things as they read the book too. It's it's not heavy-handed. It's, there's nothing that uh, is propagandistic about it, but there's a there's there's a slight uh, religionist tinge to it also. I don't want to ruin the end, but uh, it, it's not purely atheistic. It's uh, it's it's a story about uh, what happens when uh, a civilization becomes so scientifically advanced that it uh, starts to impinge on the nature of nature itself and how the cosmos itself will react uh, dealing with a, with a race of demigods that are starting to play with the very laws of physics. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, you said it's not atheistic. I think one of the failings of some science fiction is that there's a tendency for writers to say, oh, we'll, we'll, be, we'll move past all that religious stuff in the future. As if humanity has ever um, has always had this religious component, and I think it's more interesting to forecast into the future that religion will continue and how it might change and how it might shape uh, future as well. So it's it's interesting that uh, it does have some component of that. Why did you choose a Quebecois? I mean, do you have a connection to Quebec? No, I, I, I'm in love with the maxims of uh, Le Duc de Rochefoucauld. And you, uh, if you read the book, you'll note that his, his, uh, he's, he's kind of a, a main character, even though he lived in the Sun King's time. Anger and Dupree and his father and his family, they're, they're, he's, he's the writer that they look up to and they, they kind of they, they form their life after his, his uh, maxims. And so I got to put some French in there. I'm, I'm, I'm interested in languages. I speak a few, and French is my weakest, but it exists a little bit anyway. And this was my chance to, uh, you know, Spanish. I'm great at Spanish. I read Latin. I speak English, obviously. But French, I could certainly use uh, a little help. But uh, at least I can say that I, I got something published in French because there is some French laced throughout the entire work. Well, Quebecois French is not the same as Parisian French. <laughs> I know that, but my French is terrible anyway, so I wouldn't know. You know, I wouldn't. They, I wouldn't know the difference. Yeah, well, of course, I grew up in Canada, and we we study French automatically. But I can't say that I speak it by <laughs> any means. I can read cereal boxes really well, but that, <laughs> that's about it. And you know, from what I gather, they're kind of a they're kind of a tough minded people. They 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 stick to their guns uh, and. I, I sort of infused that into the character, and uh, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but Canadians especially, I hope, will like this book. So you said it was you know, kind of a challenge to write. What was the process? What is the process for you? Do you do a, a detailed outline, and then did, was there a lot of stuff you had to research for this one? What, what was that all like? Oh, this was, a, this was a tough. This was tough. This was very tough. I don't want to ruin... I don't want to spoil things, but uh, there's some scientific uh, there's some scientific stuff in here that is very difficult. There's no hand waving involved, but what was required to make this plot go forward it was was a, a, an incredible explosion of uh, 
technological expertise for a civilization a thousand years in the future that is doing things that are beyond belief. And I didn't want to make it, uh, you know, the great failure of science fiction is people invent little gravity buttons and the, the hero escapes through these ridiculous uh, uh, escape hatches. They call it hand wavium. And, and there is no hand wavium in, in, in Thin Walker. It was, uh, it's, it's been thoroughly vetted, rewritten more times than I, than I will ever admit. It took me far longer to write than I will also ever admit. It was turned down more times than, than I care to say. So the version that, that is, is the reader will see has been pretty well polished and not through any help, not, you know, I had no choice in it. It was uh, through my editors and uh, the, the facts that, in, that uh, are involved with the plot. Very difficult stuff. There's some time travel involved that uh, makes sense, that is plausible. One of the few, one of the few ways to actually travel uh, back and forth through time uh, that probably very few readers will They'll, they'll be introduced to it in, in, in reading Thin Walker. Not nonsense, physically capable, but only with regards to a civilization maybe a million years old that has very much the, the fingerprints of God themselves on their hand. So did you... It sounds like you drew on a lot of expert opinion. Did, like, were you sharing bits with uh, scientists in the field, of, for example, nanotechnology and things like that, and getting feedback? Or did you have a, a big group of uh, researchers that were helping you out or that you could uh, talk to? You know, I actually have, uh, I've got friends at NASA, at JPL, the Russian Academy of Science, the Andrea Pina Seismological uh, Observatory in Italy and in, in uh, Japan and India. And I have actually run a few things by, especially on the hardest part, but uh, I'm not gonna mention their names because if things turn out wrong, if I got things wrong, I'm sure that I'm, I'm, I bungled a few things and I don't wanna, these are, these are, these are physics laureates, laureates that, uh, that may not even wanna be uh, conflated with me in public. Yes, yeah, so any any errors are the authors and not the Correct. not the scientists that who's who's not. And I'm sure right. I made some errors. I'm sure I made some errors. It's so, fiction. Yeah, when you when you have a in any of your books, uh, do you do you share them with people ahead of time? Like do you have beta readers and and a group of sort of writing focused people as opposed to the technical people that you draw on. I don't personally. I've never shared my work with anybody till it goes to an editor. But many authors I talk to are are quite big on that, so I'm I'm always curious. You know, I will admit something. I, I probably shouldn't, but I'm going to do it anyway. This book might have, was read by every great senior editor, executive editor at every great uh, uh, monster publishing house in New York, Toronto, and London, and uh, sometimes. Oh, believe it or not, two or two, two, two or three times, uh, uh, and turned down. <laughs> so, well, that's the story of many books. <laughs> and then fixed, and then sent back, and fixed again. Uh, so this, the, the 
this has gone through a, a meat grinder of the editor's uh, uh, red redlining before it was green lighted more times than, than I could ever have imagined. If I'd have known it would have taken me this long to do it, I might not have uh, started the project. This was a real task. Yeah, so, the, the return on investment starts to quickly drop the longer you put into a book, that's for sure. <laughs> but the finished product is, uh, no thanks to me, but thanks to all the editors who, uh, who turned it down and requested that this was changed and I should have added that. And it would have been okay had I not done this. I took all their advice and, uh, and rewrote it and rewrote it and rewrote it. And uh, it's pretty polished now. And the publisher is uh, Skyhorse, is that correct? No, Skyhorse was the last one. This oh, is, right. Uh, this is Stairway Press, I'm an independent, a small independent who uh, is more, lit more literary fiction. Interesting. And what kind of editing came from there? Once you, you know, it's been through all these other people, but now you have the actual editor who's going to be producing the book, or their publishing house is going to be producing the book. What was that final round of editing like? He did very little. He did good stuff, but it was it was so ready to go when he got it. He kind of fell in love with it, and uh, you know, it, it's it's a book that you can fall in love with. It's it's a it's a great tale. I, I uh, I'm giving it short shrift. This uh, the protagonist. He's uh, he's something else. There's there's few there's he's an unforgettable Quebecois that is diehard and. Uh, murderous but wonderful trustworthy but uh stab you in the back and uh a love story to boot that just will not quit uh, it's seventy-seven thousand words long with not one expletive in the entire work so you can share it with your it's it's not something you'd be embarrassed to send to your grandmother or read to your grandchildren uh there's no alien sex uh, shower scenes, no, no nonsense like that. It's, oh, if there was, uh, I tried to write it like classic science fiction of the past, like Asimov and Robert Heinlein and Arthur C. Clarke and all those great Hugo Award winners. My era and, of reading <laughs> when I started and, you reading. Know, <laughs> in science fiction today, that's not the, that, that's the, that, that's not the norm. That's the, that, that's the exclusion. There's a there's a wave of uh, really um, off-putting science fiction that has uh, unfortunately become mainstream. Yeah, there are certainly people writing more classic science fiction, and they're very popular, but they tend to be independently published or published through smaller publishing houses. Uh, no, I, I won't say that's. I mean, there is some of it from the and I've been published by Daw Books as my main publisher, and I've had oh, they're huge. I've had twelve novels with them, and uh, I oh actually goodness. kind of write they're in that really vein. Good. And my last one was very much, uh, uh, you know, outer space adventure with a talking AI uplifted cat. So, <laughs> wow, <laughs> so that's the kind of stuff I like. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do know what you mean, and and but I think science fiction has fragmented in so many ways because of and all all publishing has because there are so many ways to get books out there that there are authors that i've never heard of who have vastly outsold me even though i have a major new york publisher so it's just a very different publishing world than it was once upon a time uh, for sure so speaking of publishing when did the book come out it was out in print earlier but it's just out in kindle is that uh, what I, or in ebook is that what i understood 
Yeah, the paperback in December and the Kindle version is just out a few days ago. Yes. And it's everywhere. It's everywhere. <laughs> it's everywhere you want to be. Um, I always think of the American Express ad <laughs> when I hear that. So um, have you been, I mean, it's been out for a little bit. Have you been pleased with the uh, response you've gotten from readers? Well, the uh, the reviews are going to be coming right out. You, you, for example, are one, and there's uh, several great uh, newspapers and big uh, oh, so venues that are reading it at this very moment, and they're planning reviews. So that's coming right up. Oh, okay, so, so you haven't you haven't had a lot of feedback yet from from people outside the publishing circles. You're going to be the first. So uh, uh, one venue in New Zealand, and then you. Um, and what are you working on now? You have something, another uh, novel in the works? I do. I do. It's done. And it's being read at this moment and hopefully greenlighted very soon. It's a, uh, it's science fiction, but taking place now in the very near future, not a hundred light years from Earth, but in Los Angeles. And it's a, uh, a weather war, earthquake seismic forecasting book where you know it might not be science fiction the united states russia china since the last 20 years have all been working on ways to engender man-made earthquakes to use as weapons so this is a book taking place in los angeles with a with a, a seismic attack on los angeles uh artificially engendered by a by a, a terroristic power and uh Hopefully that's going to come out very soon. I should be getting uh, I should be getting a, a notice one way or the other within days or weeks. So you, as noted, tons and tons and tons of nonfiction, um, and I often ask. And I was a I started as a newspaper reporter and newspaper editor, and you know I've written more nonfiction than I have fiction. But I'm always interested in people who do both if they find like I do that even though they are two different things. Uh, Yet the experience of writing the one does benefit the other. So all the nonfiction writing you've done, do you think that has helped you when it comes to writing fiction? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a much better, I'm a much better columnist than I am a, a fiction writer, probably. Even though people who disagree with me will hate my, my nonfiction writing because it's, you know, I'm not liberal. I'm, I'm not super conservative. I'm kind of down in the middle. But nowadays, if you have a, even a moderate view on things, uh, you can make enemies very quickly. I, I'm not a member of the far left lunatic fringe, uh, nor the far right. But uh, I've, I've had my, 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 uh, my battles in public with so many people over so many uh, controversial topics that it's kind of given me a you know, cross swords in public with a great number of people. And that gives you a sort of, that, that girds you for, for, for uh, tough things that you need to do when you're writing fiction, you know, sticking to something and making it work and, and finding a way through. Well, there's also the, the exposure to real human nature when you're like as a newspaper reporter and all that sort of thing. Uh, you just are exposed to so many people and you you talk to so many people with different viewpoints and different um, backgrounds and, and different hopes and dreams that I, I think that it helps with character development as well. Would you say that's true, that your nonfiction experience has helped you when it comes to building fictional characters? You said that 
20 times better than I could have. <laughs> I'm going to just leave it right there. Yeah, I have you're said that well occasionally. <laughs> you're very well spoken. I can see how you wrote 12 books. Dog turned mine down twice. Oh, well, they, the first one that they published of mine, they actually turned down and then it came to them through a different uh, uh, channel. And that's how I broke in many, many years ago now. Uh, now that they've changed, they've... Uh, uh, they've been sold and my editor has retired. So I'm working on something new right now, which I will, my agent will then present to them. But uh, I, I, that may have been my last novel for Doll, the one that came out no, last you year, be very proud. year before. Oh, but, huge. That's Penguin that's no, they were, they were wonderful to work with. They were actually, a, and they were, they've now been bought by Astro Publishing, but uh, they were basically a small company that was uh, well, the Daw family, we called it, because it was Betsy Wolheim and Sheila Gilbert, and right. they were they were both I, the editors I, and the publishers. So, I know. Well, I don't know her, but I, she's read both of my. She read both Pilots of Borealis and Dreamwalker. So, there is still that big level of publishing, but then publishing through smaller companies, like you've ended up doing this time, and I run my own small publishing company, Shadowpaw Press. Um, it it does offer opportunities for stories that perhaps we'll never be able to find a home with a larger press, but you can still get them out there. And the publishing uh, mechanics are such that even a small publisher can, can put out, you know, and have a big hit. Yeah, exactly. Um, Shadow pop press. Excuse me. Go ahead. I was just gonna say shadow pop press, for example, largely because I know him has picked up the print rights for Robert J. Sawyer's next book. Uh, which is huge for me because it's me and the cat, right? So, <laughs> but I'm I'm playing in that sort of level once it comes to you know the authors that you publish and stuff. So, so um, how did you find this the 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 small publisher that you're with now? Uh, you know what I I I, I can't I, I don't know how he came to uh, to 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 pass, but I, I it, it just. Uh, we our, our paths crossed, but back to what you said about this about small publishers. The The Martian, you know, started out self published. Yeah. It wasn't even it was it was sold for ninety nine cents for on Amazon for forever until Random House picked it up and made it the giant the giant success that it was along with the film. Yeah, and there are stories like that. So it's a it certainly is a different publishing world. Um, I'm going to have this. Uh, this is going to be. It's going to be seen by by Hollywood producers also. I've I've got a couple that are that are lined up to take a look at it. So this hopefully might work out that way too. You never know. <laughs> so uh, what are you? You mentioned what you're working on on fiction. Um, what about on the nonfiction side? Do you have nonfiction work that's coming out? I mean, you're writing columns, but do you have any nonfiction books that you're working on at the moment? My nonfiction days with earthquakes are at, at an end, I think. I, 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 I more or less made my point. I don't want to repeat myself forever. And as I said, the, the mantra has changed. The whole, the whole earthquake prediction is impossible stuff. Uh, that's a thing of the past. In Los Angeles, well, not just Los Angeles, any, any, any uh, seismically active uh, region in the, on, on the earth, People have cell phones where you uh, can link up and get a, a screaming warning of an earthquake prediction coming to your cell phone with EEW systems. Yeah, Mexico City, uh, uh, Tel Aviv, Bucharest, uh, uh, Istanbul, uh, 
So earthquake prediction is a reality now. It, it, it's not, not that uh, 20 seconds will matter. That's the sort of warning you would get. But for airports and hospitals and doctors getting ready to uh, perform surgery, they're linked up to a system now with, uh, with in any great city at risk seismically where millions of people can get warnings that an earthquake is definitely on the way. And if you're looking for earthquake prediction, that is it, 100% foolproof in spades. So the idea of me trying to push the United States Geological Survey and all the others toward uh, accepting that we're in the 21st century and that earthquake prediction is not impossible, that uh, in an age where where we've sent uh, Voyager past the heliopause or, and, and hearts are being uh, uh, re, re, you know, replaced. Th this is a silly idea. And I've written three books to say that, and I think that's, that's enough. Well, as you said earlier, science fiction and science kind of gone hand in hand over the years and we are living in what was science fiction when i was a kid for sure everything I, like what we're doing right now was science fiction <laughs> when i was a kid the the you know this video calling and uh and you know the what you have in your pocket with your iphone is you know uh, we really do live in a science fictional world so i'm glad that uh earthquake prediction has perhaps moved out of science fiction and more into reality as well i was watching an anime movie recently and they Part of the plot was these uh, earthquake warnings coming over the cell phones for the characters. So, well, that's reality now. Yeah, exactly. Every, well, every big city on the West Coast has one. And your your main website is earthquakepredictions.com? dot earthquakepredictors dot com. www.earthquakepredictors.com. Earthquakepredictors.com. Earthquakepredictors.com, Correct. And are are in other places online where people can keep up with uh, your your writing and what you're doing? Yeah, my uh, my Newsmax column is Shaking Up Science. My Times of Israel column is uh, Tectonic Shifts. Uh, I have a big Facebook presence and on Twitter. Uh, my email address, if anybody wants to drop me a line, I have no problem with that. I'm at uh, davidwrites100 at aol.com. davidwrites100 at aol.com. Oh, I haven't heard an AOL.com address for a while. <laughs> well, I've had it since forever, and there's no way. I'm too connected like with everybody on it, so it, it, it's too late to change it. Well, as long as it works. <laughs> well, David, uh, thanks so much for being on The World Shapers. I enjoyed the conversation. I hope you did, too. And very much. And again, it's a pleasure especially to speak to Canadians. I hope Canadians will like this book. I'm about, as far from being a, I'm about as far from being a Quebecois as you can get, but I am Canadian. So. <laughs> and I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work on my French. Hopefully, the, I'm, I'm glad you didn't say anything to me in French, but it is laced. The book has plenty of French in it, and I hope I didn't make too many mistakes. I would not be the one to tell you, but I'm, I'm sure somebody will if you did. So, <laughs> Thanks again. Thank you. So thanks again to David for that uh, conversation. I enjoyed it. And I hope you did as well and that you will check out David's book, Then Walker. Just a few uh, closing uh, wrap-up things here to make sure that you know where you can find me and all of this stuff that I do online. You can find the World Shapers, of course, here on YouTube, which is probably where you're watching this, or you might be watching it 
uh, may have gotten to it from uh, the World Shapers website, theworldshapers.com. All past episodes are there, uh, all the audio-only ones. Uh, some of them even have full transcripts, although I eventually <laughs> gave up on that. Uh, but uh, you can find uh, all of them there. You can also find The World Shapers on Twitter, sorry, X, at The World Shapers, and on Facebook at The World Shapers. You can find me at edwardwillett.com. You can find me on X at ewillett. You can find me on Facebook at edward.willett. And you can find me on Instagram at edwardwillettauthor. And of course, you can find me on YouTube at Edward Willett. My publishing company, Shadowpaw Press, is shadowpawpress.com. You can find it on uh, X at Shadowpaw Press. You can find it on Instagram at Shadowpaw Press. And you can find it on Facebook at Shadowpaw Press. And uh, if you are interested in what Shadowpaw Press publishes, and I hope you are, please do go to the website. Check out uh, many of the great uh, books that we have out already. Again, I say we, and it's just me and the cat, but still. And uh, the great books that are coming out. It's a very aggressive publishing schedule this year, and there are multiple genres represented, from a historical fiction to literary short fiction to middle grade to, I even have a picture book coming up, to poetry. Uh, something for everyone. So please do check out uh, shadowpawpress.com uh, for the Shadowpaw Press titles. And they are available everywhere. Uh, Amazon, whatever bookstore you would like to get your books from, uh, you should be able to order Shadowpaw Press titles. That's it for this episode of The World Shapers. I hope that uh, you will come back next week when I will be talking to Matthew Hughes. That's it for this time. Bye for now. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.